2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 35 and 36. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Now, there were burnt offerings in abundance together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. My God. And so uh, let's just take a look and see exactly what's happening here because Hezekiah is now the king of Israel and his predecessor, according to the Bible, did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, because Hezekiah did not do, I mean, his predecessor did not do what uh, was right in the eyes of the Lord, that we know that when a king takes office, the king can arrange some things, take some things out, put some new things in. It's like that even in, in America, when the president comes into office, that they are given the authority to take some things of their predecessor out and some, put some things that they desire to be in there. And so when a king comes into office, that they remove some previous things and they replace them with things that they desire to be there. And so what Hezekiah began to do is he began to change the order of worship because the previous king had removed the, uh, the priest and they weren't functioning as God desired them to function. He had brought idols in and they were worshiping the idols. And so when Hezekiah came, Hezekiah restored the order of the priesthood. And uh, there was a, a level of worship uh, that took place and Hezekiah took over the nation. Now the Bible says that the temple of the Lord was reestablished, reestablished. And the word uh, reestablishes is beautiful because when you look that up in the Hebrew, it means to reset, to reset. When something is reestablished, it is reset. And so what he did is he reset or he reestablished the order in the house of God. He reestablished, uh, reestablished or reset the order of worship. And so what does it mean? Well, Hezekiah, how can he do that? How can he reset? How can he reestablish? Well, Hezekiah at this particular time is 25 years old when he's taking over the kingship. But as he grew up at some point, he saw how worship really should be. And because he had a, a, a seen what it should be, he noticed when he came into office, it wasn't like it should have been. And so as a result of it, he made a decision that uh, he was going to put things in order because when things are not in order, they do not function at their best. When things that are not in order, they do not function at their peak. And I'll give you a couple of examples because what I want to do this morning is I just want to lay the foundation uh, for the meals that we'll be eating over the next several weeks. And, and, and I'll give you an analogy. You know when uh, you go into a restaurant, you can be standing, you can be waiting, but you're not seated. You may see that table, but it has dishes on it. And you're not going to eat if there are old dishes on the table. So what happens is that a busboy or someone will come, server will come by and they will take the dishes off the table, clean it out for you, and then you become seated and then you're ready to eat. So what I want to do is I want to clean the table off so that you can come to the table, you can be seated, and you can eat. Now, I know a lot about busboying. Busboying, is that a word? 
I will tell you, because when I was in college, I decided, you know, I, I, I wasn't lazy. No, I would work. And I, I, I was a uh, uh, college student. I worked 40 hours a week. And one of the jobs that I had over the course of my college uh, uh, life was uh, a busboy. So I worked at this place. It was, uh, it was Marriott. It was right in Baton Rouge. And, and I worked there. And this was kind of a nice place where you would have trays. And so you wouldn't come around with a tub and put dishes in. No, you would set a tray out and you would put those dishes on that tray and then you would put that tray lot right here and then you would take that tray out to the kitchen. And here I am, I'm putting that, I have that, that, those dishes on that tray and right before I go to the door, the whole tray flipped over and those dishes all over the place. I was so embarrassed and that was like my first week. You know what I did? I picked those dishes up, put them in the kitchen and walked right out the back door and never came back. I know a lot about busboying. I wasn't good at it, obviously. <laughs> but I know some stuff about that. So, uh, so that's what I want to do. I want to clean the table so we can uh, be able to come and sit and eat. Uh, and so when things are out of order, it cannot function at its best. It cannot function at its peak. I'll give you an analogy. Um, have, uh, have you ever seen a vending machine and a vending machine that there is someone that can come by and they can put their money in and they can get something out of it? There is someone that can come right behind them. They can put their money in and they don't get anything. And, and so somebody else can come and they can put their money in and they can get something. Then somebody else might come right after them and they put their money in. They don't, they, they, they don't get anything. And so what they would typically do is they would put a sign on the vending machine saying out of order, out of order. Now, the reason it is out of order, because it is not performing the way it was created to perform. Uh, the manufacturer knew that it should operate consistently and that it should do for the, if, if, if for the person that's coming, one, two, three, four, did not, does not matter the order, it should perform the same or it should perform at its best or at its peak. Now, I have seen people where the vending machine says out of order, put money in it, and still get something out of it. But it's not consistent, and so because it's not consistent, then what happens is that it functions sometimes, but it is not working properly because it should work all the time and it should work for everybody. Now, so what happens then is that we recognize that if the house of God is, is out of order, the people of God will not experience his best and there are times that, that that house must be reset. Now, I'm really talking about the kingdom of God uh, rather than the church of God. Because now the church is a part of the kingdom. But what we want to see is the Bible says that when they reset the order of worship in the house that God brought about for his people they were rejoicing because what God brought about for his people, it happened quickly. One translation said suddenly. And so notice what order produces. Order produces the fullness of what God has said over you, over us, and what he has for the kingdom to come about. And it will blow your mind. Why? It's because it happens quickly. Now, we're going to talk about reset. And why is it important that there is a need for reset? Uh, I know all of you, most of you have phones, and only two people in the congregation I know have flip phones. But everybody else has smartphones, at least what they call it. You know, my phone is so smart. 
that sometime I have it in my pocket and I can think about somebody and it'll dial it without me dialing it. And so they, they call me back and say, hey, you called me? I said, yes, I got a smartphone. And it just started calling people because, you know, I'm thinking, I was thinking about you and so my phone just dialed you. That's a smartphone. And so what happens is that have you, if you've ever uh, had to reset your phone, you've had to reset your phone. If, if that's you and if you've ever had to reset your phone, would you just kind of lift your hand? That's you. I've had to reset my phone several times. As a matter of fact, this week I had to reset my phone. And uh, the reason I had to reset it because it wasn't working properly. It was getting slow. Uh, the, the apps would not come up properly. It would just churn and churn and churn. And it just, it just wouldn't work properly. And, and, and what I recognize is that uh, over a period of time, you pick up some stuff if you don't reset it. You, pick, you can pick up, pick up some spyware. You can pick up a computer as well, malware. Uh, you have things that are in your cookies. And all of this stuff is in your memory, and it starts to slow down your system. And so what you have to do is you have to reset it, reset it. And when you reset it, what happens is that you take it back to a clean slate or an original state. You can restore it. You take it back to the manufacturer's uh, design and, and uh, settings. And what happens is that it begins to function the way that it was supposed to function. And sometimes when you become a Christian or a follower of, uh, of Christ, you pick up stuff along the way because not, your, your phone didn't intend to pick that stuff up, but it did because of the use. And so sometimes as a follower of Christ, you pick up stuff along the way that you did not intend to pick up. And because you have picked up some stuff that you did not intend to pick up, it can slow down your progress. And, and because prospering people was the easiest thing that God uh, did in the Bible. He prospered Adam. He prospered Abraham. He prospered Isaac. He prospered Jacob. He even moved his, an entire nation out of Egypt. And so it's not enough that some people make it and others don't. Because the Bible says that they all came out with the silver and the gold and there was not one feeble person among them. Isn't that a beautiful picture that, that everybody uh, loved God, loved everybody, every, uh, loved, loved others? Isn't that a beautiful picture where they were healthy in their relationships? They were healthy in their bodies. They were financially empowered. Uh, isn't that a beautiful picture? So uh, it's not enough that some come out and some do not. It's not enough that some progress and others do not progress. And, and, and I'll give you this picture. If you had 30 children in a classroom and only three passed, is that good for the teacher? Is that good for the students? See, it's not good enough because some progressed and some did not. And so it's important then that we recognize that there are times when there must be a reset. Um, as a follower of Christ, sometimes we go, we, we picked up religion before we became a follower of Christ. And then after we became a follower of Christ, we picked up some religious stuff. And so that religion has slowed down the progress. And, uh, and, and so there needs to be a, a, a reset. And so that's what I want to do. I kind of do that, that reset this morning. I'll give you uh, an example. Um, somehow over a period of time, religion has taught us that God is Santa Claus. And, uh, and, and, and I say that because it's everything is up to God. But let me just kind of uh, shake it a little bit today. Uh, everything is not up to God. People say stuff like God is in control, but there's nowhere in the Bible that it says that. Okay, let's go here. Psalm 115, verse 16. 
Let's read that together now. The, high, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given. Look at that. The heavens belong to who? But the earth he has given to whom? Now, so the earth belongs to the Lord, but the heavens he has given to But you say that, well, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Yeah, it is. But, and your car is yours and the fullness thereof. But if you let your child drive your car, who is in control of your car? So the one who is driving is in control. The one who it has been given to is the one who is in control. So therefore, the heavens is the Lord, but he has given the earth to man. And God desires to get what is in heaven into the earth. And because he has given it to man, look, if God was in control of the earth, the earth wouldn't be in the shape that it's in right now. And the reason it is, is because man is in control of the earth. Now, there are four things we're going to need to reset. And uh, the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is the first thing we want to reset is we want to reset our thinking. Reset our thinking. Proverbs 23, 7. Let's read that together now. For as a man thinks in his heart. Now, so who are you and how are you? You are determined <laughs> by what you think. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our challenge is not what you think, but our challenge usually is what you think you're not. Our challenge is not what you think you are, but the challenge is what you think you are not. See, because a lot of us think that we are church members. A lot of us think that we are believers. But what we should be thinking we are, uh, that is primary, is we are citizens of the kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom. And that's so critical. So as a citizen of the kingdom, then we're all part of the very same family, the very same family. And, and the reason that that is so important is because that uh, we, we all pull together, we all pull for one another. So one church is not against another church. Let the church say amen. amen. Why? It's because there's a, there's a hand, there's a knee, there are feet. The Bible says that we're mem many members of one body, and that one body is the kingdom. And so as we look at this, I want to just kind of give you an analogy this way. Um, we should be thinking that we are citizens of the kingdom, and therefore God has made us ambassadors. Ambassadors. Uh, let me give you a, an analogy of that. Meghan Markle, uh, she's an American that married Prince Harry, and she is an American that married into a royal family. She didn't grow up as a royal. She had to be trained to be a royal, and she had to be trained to think like a royal. And so do you know that before the wedding, she spent six months in training with the queen's assistant and the queen's private secretary. And they wanted to get her ready to be royal. And as a result of that, the moment she would marry Prince Harry, that she would become part of the royal family. And she would be representing everywhere she went, the queen, she would be representing the royal family or royalty. 
And so she had to be taught the royal way how to eat. This is how we eat. She had to be taught this is how we sit. She had to be taught this is how we talk. This is in certain situations we will do this. She had to be taught how to leave the house. She had to be taught how to dress like a royal. Why? It's because when you're royalty, you just can't put your hair back in a bond and go to Walmart and show up. So she had to be taught all of these things. And they had to change her thinking because she was not raised to think like a royal. And there was a time that she thought she was an American. There was a time that she thought she was an actress. But now she had to learn how to think like someone who is royalty. And now she's called the Duchess of Sussex. And why? It was because she was married into a family, but she had to prepare for the role that had been prepared for her. Now, when we say that then, and I, and I, I contend to that, we are not who we think we are, but, we are, 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 but our challenge is who we think we are not. And so from the day that you became a Christ follower, you're part of the royal family. You are royalty. And the person that you're sitting next to you is royal. My God. Now, let me show you that here. Uh, it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Let's read that together, church, like you know it is the, the word of his power. Let's read it together now. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so if I'm a child of the king, my God, if I'm a child of the king, I don't walk around with my head down. <laughs> Why? It's because Psalm 24 tells us, lift up your head, O you gates, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your head. So he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord who fights our battles. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. He is Jehovah that is our banner. If he's all those things, my God, I'm going to walk in with my head lifted up and I'm going to walk like I know who I am. I am a child of the most high God. I'm royalty. Now, now, when we look at that, then we recognize that have you ever seen someone that are in a place that they have never been before. And they, they kind of feel out of place. You can kind of tell that they're, they, they like the place where they are, but they, they just don't know how to act. Uh, okay, let me just give you an example. For our anniversary, Gwen, took, uh, Gwen made a decision. She said that, uh, honey, we're going to go to this restaurant. And I said, okay. And so I was uh, putting on some clothes. And she said, no, you can't wear that. I, she knew about it. I did. And I said, okay. So she, I had to put on a suit, y'all. It was that kind of, and then I, oh, oh, <laughs> I got to put on a suit. So I put my, my, my suit on, and I, first of all, I dusted it off. <laughs> and I put my suit on, and we got there, and man, you know what? I act like I belong, man. I just kind of walked around there. I followed her and did what she did. <laughs> I'm good at that. 
I'm good at that. I want you to know. And so we sat down, and, um, but then there was another group that came in. And the moment that they stepped in, I knew that they didn't know where they were. And I believe that they felt out of place because they had come to celebrate a birthday party. How do I know that they had come to celebrate a birthday party? Because they had a bouquet of balloons with a big three and a big zero on it. So somebody was celebrating 30 years of living. And they brought those balloons in that place. And the, and the hostess says, oh, I'm sorry, but you can't bring those into the restaurant. They sat them down without their balloons. And after they got sat down, they, I saw the, uh, the hostess bringing those balloons to the kitchen. And they kept them in the back until they left. I felt so sorry for them. But then I was thinking about another occasion. And this occasion was that I was on, on a plane, and I know it was years ago. And um, I had the privilege of, of, of being in first class. And so there was someone that was sitting, I was sitting on the uh, aisle, and there was someone that was sitting on the other aisle. And so the uh, flight attendant came by, and she offered uh, something. And that dude says, how much are these? I want to say, dude, it's all included in the package. How much are these? Dude, my brother, it's in the package. You already paid for it. It ain't free. You already paid for it. And then he was scared. He got one banana. And then there were other people who knew where they were. They were saying, well, I'd like this. Do you have this? Do you have, there was somebody that got two bananas. And, and so you can tell when someone is in a place, but they don't know, they've never been there before. They don't know who they are. And so it's important then that we recognize then that we are a royal priesthood and we are chosen people. And as we lay this foundation this morning, I want to show you something in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 in the Message Bible. We read it earlier, but I want you to read it in the Message Bible as he talks about a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. And look what it says in the Greek. Come on, champions, let's read that together now. But you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. Now stop right there. We have three offices. The office that we have is that we have the priest office, and that is that we worship God. That is that we also have the office of the prophet as a, as a follower, that we can speak into our future. And then we have the office of a king, where we issue commands. The king issues commands, the priest worships, and uh, the prophet will begin to speak into the future. So you've got one that is vertical, right? And then you've got one that is horizontal, and that you've got one that is my God is going to release their power and their authority. And so notice what it says is that God has chosen us the higher calling of priestly work. What does that mean? We're supposed to worship him. What does it mean? It's not, just, it's not only just singing, but it is a life that we live that brings honor and glory to him. Let's begin to read it. Continue to read, rather, starting at God's instruments. Let's read it together now. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, 
from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. So notice this. We are a royal people. We've been chosen by God to worship him and also to tell other people to do his work and to speak out for him to tell other people what he did. When we were in the dark and we came into the light, when it says that uh, we were rejected, but we now have been accepted. We were nobody, but we became somebody. That's why I'm not a fan of that song. I just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Because I'm not a nobody. I was bought with a price. And it cost a lot. Ah, my gosh. So let's look at this. So the Bible tells us the way that we're going to have that suddenly and that quickly to take place in our lives, the resetting that needs to be done. It's a resetting of our thinking, resetting of our thinking. The Bible says that the, that the tradition of man make the power of God to no effect. So can we get rid of those traditions that are not line upon line, precept upon precept, that we have picked up over a period of time? We didn't intend to, just like your cell phone, but it happened. And what it does is it slows down progress, slows down the progress. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Come on, champions. Let's begin to read it like we know it is the word of his power together now. And do not be conformed to this world, but be by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, notice this. He says, do not be conformed, conformed uh, to the world, but be transformed. And how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. And so the word conformed is a beautiful word. The word conformed, it means to fashion oneself according to another's pattern. It's like you're trying to fit into a mold. And, it's, and you're fashioned according to another's pattern. And that's what the word conformed means. But you know what? The Ephesians chapter 2 says that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we've got to recognize this, that God created you different and unique. Different is not the same. Unique is one of a kind. You are a designer's original. And because you are a masterpiece, you're very valuable. Because, see, you can go down to the museum and you can find a, a wonderful masterpiece that they paid $15, $15 million for. But you can go to the mall and get a copy of that masterpiece for $15. So the value is in what? The original. And so when we try to uh, be conformed, uh, we try to do what somebody else is doing, we're trying to copy someone else, what happens is that God has created you as a designer's original, very valuable, a masterpiece. And when you do that and copy someone else, you become a cheap copy of a great original and you have devalued what God has created valuable. So do not be conformed to this world. Do not be fashioned into another's pattern. Boy, this is good preaching for such a young preacher this morning. So what are we to do? We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, the word transformed is a beautiful word as well, and it means to change into another form. <laughs> See, you're not going to be fashioned uh, against or by another, but you're going to be changed, changed into another form. You're going to be changed. <laughs> My gosh, you're going to be changed. And so 
How are we changed by the renewing of our mind? The word there, renewing, it means to um, renovate. And if, you're, if you've ever seen somebody renovating their house, there's this big old deal on, in the front, and, they, and they're tearing stuff down, pulling stuff out. And then they are, uh, once they cleaned it out, tore it, tore it down, then now they are putting in the new. They're making it fresh. And it becomes beautiful, not worn, not old, but fresh and new. That's what that word says, that when we uh, renovate our mind, when we are willing to reset our thinking, then God begins to tear some old stuff out, some worn out stuff, things that have been leaking, and then after it's all cleaned out, then we now allow him to fill us up with the freshness, the newness that he has so that we can be that people that will magnify him and that people that will do his work and then that people that will speak on his behalf by telling other people, there was a time I was nobody, but now I am somebody. There was a time I was rejected, but now I'm accepted. And do you know what happens? Is that other people begin to see their own lives and they will reset their thinking so that now they can come out of the dark and begin to live in the light. And so that's what we need to do, that, uh, that when God renovates us, everything that remains must be of use to him. <laughs>